birthday, America. Film fans, how are you this blockbuster weekend? We'll talk to our guest, Chris Clark, from Cinema St. Louis in just a little while. At minute three, we'll talk The Tomorrow War. Around minute eight, The Summer of Soul. Around minute 19, Zola. Around minute 32, Boss Baby 2, Family Business. Around minute 36, Good on Paper. Around minute 40, The Ice Road. Around minute 44, the new documentary, Wolfgang. Around minute 50, No Sudden Move. And then around minute 56, we'll talk with Chris about the St. Louis Filmmaker Showcase. Carl and Chris Clark are our guests today. And how is your 4th of July going, guys? I'm at work, so everything's great. (laughs) Everything's running like clockwork, so that's the best thing. So far, so good. I'm going to... uh, uh happy hour with guys I went to high school with this wow. afternoon and I'm making pork steaks tomorrow because that's what you do. Yes, you do. I On love me some pork steaks. July, and I haven't fit in watching Independence Day yet, but by God, Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum save us every time. And I'm going to make some, make some time to watch uh, it America's weekend. favorite president right there. Bill Pullman. That's right. And he gave America beer. Mm-hmm. Didn't he? And, uh, the it's the movie is 25 years old yes so of course you remember the first time you saw it at the esquire in the big theater it was great um i think i saw it at the old kenrick for the i think that's where the preview was that week i saw it at the bac cinema in belva with my sons and we loved it and in many years later i saw bill pullman on the broadway stage and it had afterwards it was really snowy and cold so there weren't that many people outside and i didn't realize he was standing near me talking to people and i was just reading the poster Lori medcalf was in it and i turn and he's about to turn and he had a huge head so fyi bill pullman has a huge head now you know you heard it first here uh, i, I like <laughs> learning some things early in the morning like this but well well speaking of blockbusters <laughs> this weekend is traditionally when something big pops up on the multiplexes in america men in black what are some of the other big ones for independence Fourth, day. I think batman independence Forever. day yeah well yeah it didn't for a while it, this used to be will smith's weekend yeah and so, I, so they have a blockbuster, but because of the pandemic, it premiered on Amazon Prime and it's Boss called Baby. The Tomorrow War oh, oh, with sorry. Chris Pratt saving the world. Now, see, here's what I did. I had two and a half hours and I said, am I going to watch The Tomorrow War, which is a little more than two hours, or am I going to watch Summer of Soul? And I think I made the right choice. Okay, so let's talk about the Tomorrow War. It would benefit from a big screen. I will say this. It is another alien invasion film, and the creatures are disgusting and known as white spikes, and they're not unlike the creatures we've been seeing lately that have invaded Earth in the films. For instance, it's a little bit like Quiet Place. It's a little bit... Like, what was that other uh, movie we just saw with a bunch of aliens in it? I, I, I don't know. There are many of them. Well, this, this story 
takes place in the future, 2051, and normal citizens have to fight or drafted for this war because the aliens are killing the world and we have less than 500,000 population. Okay, so it's not only an alien takeover movie, but it's also a time travel movie. Yes, and the time travel always makes my head hurt. You're not supposed to think about time travel. You got to go with it. And the apocalypse and Chris Pratt as an action hero. So that's everything that I don't want to (laughs) see. Well, I I actually like the director. The director is Chris McKay, who uh, directed and edited on Robot Chicken and Moral (laughs) Oral on Adult Swim. I love Moral Oral. And so... I'm, I was interested. He was a co-director on the Lego movie for Lord and Miller. He did the direction for Lego Batman movie. So he has worked with Chris Pratt in the past. And this movie was supposed to be a, a Paramount big blockbuster. And what I am curious about, it has Chris Pratt. It has uh, Sam Richardson from Veep. And it has Yvonne Strakowski from Chuck, J.K. Simmons, and Mary Lynn Rice Cub. Those are all hilarious people. But I heard from our buddy Dan Buffa that there is no comedy in this at all. Very little. Very, very, very little. But the cast is what elevates it. If I'm going to recommend it, it's because the cast is is a cut above your usual action. And there's some very kick-ass women, which is good. Uh, Eldon, uh, Eldrick Hodge's brother, Edwin, Mm-hmm. plays a soldier with Chris oh. Pratt. Sam Richardson's great. He's this talkative dude and he aligns himself with Chris Pratt. Uh, Chris, ha- uh, character Dan Forrester happens to be an ex, or he is a veteran. So he's, he's a Green Beret. And, but he's a biology teacher in, in uh, the story. And he has a family. Betty Gilpin is wasted as his worried wife. <laughs> and his daughter is wonderful, though. It's Ryan Kiera Armstrong. She played little Gloria in the Gloria Steinem movie. Oh, okay. And she was just in Black Widow, which we have seen, but we won't talk about till next week. Anyway, she plays his daughter, who is at eight years old, whip smart science whiz not going to give anything away but we're talking but it's a time travel movie and some people have given it away but i'll let you figure it out so anyway these relentless creatures jk simmons is an underground techie and he is he is dan's estranged father is he surly Hmm. yeah I like his he he doesn't look like J.K. Simmons in the trailer that I saw. He he's got this old crazy man beard and he does not look like, you know, the guy selling you insurance or winning an Oscar. No. Well, they figure out how to get to the aliens and they have some serum that they can inject them with. And so they go to. uh, Russia, Russia, (laughs) but it's really Iceland where they filmed it. So it's cold and. Anyway, it's uh, it follows the same beats as all your other blockbusters. You're not seeing anything new. It's kind of like a throwback to the old school movies. A little bit of the what was the Tom Cruise one? Oh, I heard. Yeah. Uh, Live, Die, Repeat or Edge of Tomorrow or yeah, whatever, one. whatever they want to call it, which is a fad, fantastic underrated film that suffers from a bad title. 
Emily Blunt's in it. Yeah, so like her. It's way too long. Two hours and 20 minutes. That, they can wrap up saving the world quicker than that. <laughs> that's why I watched Summer of Soul instead. Well, wise. Chris, have you seen Summer of Soul yet? No, but it looks looks marvelous. It is on Hulu currently. Let let Lynn, let's pivot. Let's pivot and talk about Summer of Soul. As I yeah, said this to year, me, that's the best movie of the weekend. And I saw it at the theater at a screening Tuesday night at the AMC Chesterfield, and it was packed. I had not been to a packed movie theater, and everybody got their groove on. Everybody was clapping. We clapped for every artist. We sang along to My Girl. We just had a blast. And Questlove, the yes. band leader of The Roots, his this is his directorial debut. And right away, they tell you that this festival, the Harlem Cultural Festival in 1969, six times over the summer, attracted 300,000 people, some of the biggest names in all of R&B, gospel, pop. And this film sat in a basement for 52 years. Yes. Which is unbelievable. Well, they kept yeah. trying to sell it and they get it's it's there are little things in there that makes the story a little inconsistent because this was the third annual Harlem Cultural Festival and they were getting sponsored by Maxwell House. And it is amazing the amount of footage and the quality of footage that they shot for this, because you look at Woodstock and the movie Woodstock is actually not really well done. Woodstock was three days. And everybody knows that. But at the same time, this was going on over the course of a month and a half up in Harlem and they couldn't sell it. So they started to call it the Black Woodstock, which also is dumb because six weeks versus three days is that's it's apples and oranges. And With one one night was gospel. One night was soul slash pop one. They had a beauty pageant one night. And it was it was a different thing every night. And they don't really give you the distinction of which nights these things all they made it look like it's just one big show, even though right. they've already told you that it's not. It, it took place over six different weeks. And there's a late night comedy bit. I'm not sure. I want to say it was Conan, but I'm not 100 percent sure on that. But it was or maybe it was Saturday Night Live. That, that's it's irrelevant. They said they showed an NBA game and they said, find the black people. And the only black people were like on the court and beer vendors because they were they were making commentary about how the NBA is outpriced. It's African-American fans. This movie, I was playing. Find the white people because they they kept saying it's a sea of black. And every time they would they would they cut around white people because there were white people there they to fit I, not necessarily the narrative but to tell the story that they were telling they weren't highlighting that this was a multicultural event because they do mention spanish harlem they talk to lin-manuel miranda they say that uh, brown and black people were getting together but it would have been nice if they they did make fun of uh, when sly and the family stone were on there's a white guy on stage and they were really <laughs> enjoying the drummer yeah and they inter they interview him too but i thought they could have made this more inclusive instead of cutting around white people and i'm sure that quest was like oh that was not our intention but i it it just seemed odd to me 
Well, it's the context of the time because that was a very fateful year. And that was the year also after the assassination of Martin Luther King. And also uh, it did show Mayor Lindsay, John yeah. Lindsay of New York, as being very helpful. Yes. To the civil rights movement and, uh, and, the I, and constituents. And one of the weekends was uh, July 20th when man is landing on the moon and everybody at this festival did not care. <laughs> they said they they even do. Uh, they have. Uh, is it morally safer? They have morally safer doing a report saying, well, everyone here is not watching the moon. They're watching the Harlem Cultural Festival. And they they make, of course, they're making black people look bad by not caring about that. But then they give interviews and in their lives, they all say the same thing. We shouldn't be spending money about putting people on the moon. We should be feeding people in these poor neighborhoods, which at the time was a very controversial statement. Yes. Well, even in the documentary uh, Apollo 11, they address that because there was controversy because it was like you're spending gazillion dollars on the moon where we have problems here and they do show the poverty and also the way the drugs were infiltrating mm -hmm. lives at that time but it's very rich in cultural history and also the fashion oh that was the, when times people are were dressed, changing people, are people dressed were dressed amazingly giant afros and just being more culturally aware of well, they had the dichotomy of people wearing suits and ties and then wearing bell bottoms and shirtless vests. Well, what's very revealing is Marilyn McCoo, who looks great at yeah, 77, and her husband, Billy Davis, 83, Junior. of St. Louis. Yes, they, they mentioned St. Louis in the documentary. And they talk about being in the fifth dimension and how they weren't really accepted by Black people. They, they weren't were Black enough. white act. And they really wanted to be accepted. And so the Harlem Festival, their appearance made great strides in that regard. And that was when they had the number one song, Aquarius and Let the Sunshine In. And they tell that backstory, which is really fun. And then they didn't know if Sly and the Family Stone was going to show up because I think um, Albert Brooks has told that story. Yeah, Sly, Sly, Sly is kind of like George Jones. They don't, they have, Sly doesn't show up a lot. No, and but that's also the thing well about George Jones. It won the audience award and the grand jury prize at Sundance. And I knew it had to be good because it beat the Sparks Brothers. See, this has been, as I've said, 2021 is a great year for music documentaries. The aforementioned Sparks, the Billie Eilish documentary, the Pink documentary, Tina. It has been a fantastic oh, year. I have loved all of those movies and they are all, you know, this is really well done and I enjoyed it. I, they only play two songs from everybody except for Sly and the Family Stone. You get two Stevie Wonder songs. You get two Mavis Staples songs. You get two uh, and the Staples singers. And you hear the interesting backstories. The Staples girls thought that they were singing uh, Christian songs and gospel songs. But Pop Staples was playing blues guitar and they didn't realize it until they were much older. Like, hey. You're playing the blues. And he's like, that's all I know how to play. It's, it's yeah, really insightful. People, yeah, they talked to people that were there, but then they also talked to some cultural uh, touchstones, the New York Times reporter, and they frame it as mm -hmm. looking back, but also moving forward. 
and Chris Rock is in it for a little bit. Jesse Jackson's in it because Jesse Jackson was there. And it, you'd think that since Woodstock wasn't taking place at the same time, you think there would have been some crossover acts like Jimi Hendrix could have shown up, but that there wasn't a rock night. It was soul night, gospel night, teen pageant night. There, it was, it was interesting how they did it and trying to sell it as the black Woodstock. I understand what they were going for, but this was so much more than that. Who should, who should, you said the quality of the the footage was much better than other music docs of the era. Well, who shot it? Uh, they they mentioned the director who had his recently passed away, and mm. they what happens was they got a whole bunch of money from Maxwell House. Maxwell House backed all this up, and so they had real sound guys. They had a lot of cameras and a lot of cameras on stage. And so it Which was, was luxury being all on film. That was a right. expensive, expensive luxury to do that. It just wasn't done that often. That's why the other ones look like shit. Cause you're just roaming around with what you had and there wasn't steady cams. In no. So, uh, or thereabouts there were, but they weren't well, being used. You have, uh, it's technically called summer of soul or when the revolution could not be televised because, you know, they, they tried to sell it. They tried and tried and tried to sell it. Um, you have Stevie Wonder, Mahalia Jackson, Nina Simone. Oh, she's great. Um, who, oh, Glass Night in the Pips. And there was one person that I wanted to see, but she wasn't on there. It was um, Binky. She's the girl that sang the Good Times theme. Oh. But she was, she, of course, this was way before that. But they have like every artist that was a major artist that was there except for her. But they, there are weird weird little idiosyncrasies about this film. I've mentioned a couple of them. One of them was that uh, Jimmy Fallon gets thanks as uh, James T. Fallon, which I thought that was funny. And stay till the very, very, very end because it's <laughs> there is a joke that Stevie Wonder tells at the very, very end of the film. So stick with it to all the way. Uh, it's Rob uh, Fivalent. Okay. He was the uh, producer and uh, Hal... Tolchin, he gets thanked too. He's the one that recently passed away. And they they tried and tried to sell it, but they just luckily they kept on to it because they knew that it was historical. Yeah. But you know, they had so many cinematographers, they had multiple cameras. I wonder, you know, did Gordon Park show up for a day? I mean, you know, <laughs> to be curious to see who, you know, really was part of that crew if they had money and resources to do this right. You know, was it a who's who of of black filmmakers at the time, uh, you know, just uh, popped into my head. I'd be curious to know who, you know, really was touching it all. Well, it, it's it's really well done. You, yeah. you, you would be amazed, Chris, no, how good wait. the sound quality is. Yeah. So they it's, use their money wisely and, you know, miracle of miracles, 50 something years later, it popped out of the box and looks great. So uh, that's just amazing. Lynn. Well, another Sundance, darling, but it actually is from 2020. It was the same year as uh, some of the gems that came out last year is Zola. And A24 <laughs> has held it till now. It is only in theaters. And Carl and I saw it. Chris, did you read the original Twitter feed? No. It's this 148 the tweets. I've seen based on a Twitter tweet storm. Now, hold on a second. Here, here's, here's the problem with the Twitter storm. She's telling a story over the course of 148 tweets. A reporter from Rolling Stone got a hold of it and wrote an article about it. Then he expanded it 
to a book, like checking out some real facts on this. And he gets a whole lot of credit. His name is David Kushner from Rolling Stone, and he's a great author, but it's really Zola's story. Zola's the one that wrote this all originally. And so they both get credited in this film, which is good because Zola has now put out a little book of all the tweets. And I think it's good to tell the story. As I've said on the air, I said yesterday with Mark Reardon, this is a world I am not familiar because it's all about strippers, murder, drugs, pimping, and it does put sex workers in a very positive light, but it also shows how dangerous this world is. And it also has one of the most profane prayers I have ever heard, which is hilarious. But I want to say right now, this movie is not for everyone. And you can say that about a lot of films, but this movie, you, if you are uncomfortable of sex work in a positive light, or you don't want to hear the story about a stripper, do yourself a favor, don't go to this movie. Or let's be honest, if you want to see a whole parade of male genitalia, okay. I didn't even know you could do that in an R movie, but I guess you can because I saw it. Hey, so. it's, tw- it's the 21st century. Penises can be on screen now. Now but I'm not- interested. <laughs> <laughs> now, hold on a second. And they do make a joke about, wow, he's really well endowed. Also, I want to say this, Lynn, if you're going to bring that up for a movie about stripping and whores and prostitution, there is very little nudity in this movie. You'd think about the women's point of view. The women are are not shown very much. Now, let's backtrack a little bit. Zola, whose real name is Asia King. Or it's not King is her stage name, I guess, because she has a other real last name. She was a Hooters waitress in Detroit when she Which they, met this they, girl. They don't show Hooters. Stephanie. They but don't a real show Hooters. Jessica. So it has been fictionalized a little bit. And they become fast friends. They both are exotic dancers uh, on the side. And so they make some quick money one night. And then this girl played wonderfully and crazily by riley keogh yeah, i was going to ask who you know who she was and how how was she because i always enjoy her elvis's energy. granddaughter yeah i always enjoy her energy how old is she carl because i was going to look that up because she looks amazing so she dresses like this britney spears schoolgirl. she's 32 and <laughs> makes a ton of money one night because she asked zola uh, to come with her to Tampa and after she's some- known her for less than 48 hours. Yeah. And they're going to make some fast cash at the Tampa strip clubs. And along yeah. uh, is her roommate who is actually her pimp Coleman Domingo and they call him X. He's very scary. Yes. X. And then her dim bulb boyfriend who is Derek, who Nicholas is wonderfully Braun. played. If you watch succession, Nicholas Braun, he plays Cousin Greg, and he was Emmy-nominated last year because on Succession, you think he's a dim bulb, but Greg's not. So Zola, we've not mentioned Zola. Zola's played by Taylor Page, and last year she was in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom as Ma Rainey's girlfriend. So she was in the background of that movie looking beautiful. This one, she's in the forefront looking beautiful. And she says a lot, 
without saying anything. She keeps she doesn't break the fourth wall while on camera, but you do hear her inner monologue and they do do something that is very creatively smart. Every time they do something that's based on a tweet, you hear the little Twitter chirp. And that that lets you know that, hey, remember, this started out as a Twitter thread. So she cannot believe what is going on all around her, which is very connected to the Twitter thread, because that the first tweet is, y'all want to hear a story how me and this bitch fell out? And this is the story. If you follow the Twitter thread, which is not available on Twitter anymore, it's on Imager, so you could read all of them. That gives a much more satisfying ending because they tell you what goes on. And it's actually more than 148 tweets because she gives you follow up and tells what happens to some of this, these people. This one just ends with a look. And if you don't know anything about it, it's a great ending. But if you know the story, you're a little dissatisfied. It's very herky jerky. It really is. But it's innovative at the same time because it's different, but it's only 90 minutes, but it's a 48 hour road trip that is a nightmare. And as Zola finds out that she's in over her head because this does involve uh, sex work, that she's going to pimp them out tricks because he put their selfies on this website called or app called Backpage. No, we have Backpage here in St. Louis. Backpage, the Riverfront Times has Backpage. So <laughs> uh, they rent a hotel room or they book a hotel room and Riley Keough's character, Stephanie, sees what? Because she makes $8,000 in one night. So that's $500 a pop, 16 guys. Yeah. And so Zola's like, wait a minute. How much money are you making? Because they originally she was only charging uh, 100 in the tweets. It's 100. But in the movie, it's $150. It's inflation. That's well, fair. Well, that and Zola's like, um, you're worth more than that, girl. So she then she starts going for half a bill a night. So she goes from 150 to 500. And so they make a lot. Of, and then stupidly, Stephanie tells her pimp x how much money they made without you know and she's he only got them three clients zola got them nearly 20 so uh they uh zola like carl said taylor page is excellent in this just a look facial expressions the side eye she gives and that she will not take part in any of this. She refuses to do private dances. She will not be this, but she is stuck with these people. Cause she's from Detroit and she has gone down to Tampa. And she just can't believe she's in this mess. And so it gets more menacing and really there's this horrible sense of unease that things are going South and Tampa doesn't, I mean, Florida looks just like a cesspool of it looks like Tampa. I've been to Tampa. Yeah. Seediness. <laughs> and uh, Greg is just, he's very needy. And he Derek. knows his girlfriend is. You, call, you called him the name from the secession character. Oh, his I'm name's sorry. Derek. Derek. <laughs> Derek is needy and he doesn't understand why she won't give it up. 
he's simple and he they believe he's by in, in the tweets you find out that he's bipolar and he he is very hot and cold it does benefit from you knowing the backstory because this is everything that she was experiencing but it's also good that it's not based on every single tweet because then you would just be that would be even more herky jerky. They do take some detours like Stephanie gets to tell her part of the story for a little bit. And it, it that's very funny. Can I make a little detour that's quasi related? Yes. Uh, you're talking about sleazy Florida and, you know, that kind of milieu of people and stuff. <laughs> Have either of you ever seen a TNT original show called Claws. Uh, yeah, I, I did not see it, but I, I watched okay. a lot a lot of promos okay. for it. It stars several characters from True Blood, but mm -hmm. the star is Niecy Nash, yep. who is from St. Louis. One of, the, one of the writers, Darren Dorch, is also from St. Louis, and it is nuts. They run this nail salon, but they're involved in opioid clinics and drug running and she's the uh, on the season finale two years ago they've been on hiatus for a while she's like the boss of all bosses now and they blew up a casino <laughs> it's just ridiculous but it you know kind of reminded me of some of the bit little bits it's kind of like that it's kind of like yeah. that it's kind of like a florida project yeah once again it's very sex positive very sex yeah. sex worker positive it's not for everyone and Lynn didn't like as much as I did. Denisa Bravo uh, is the director, and she co-wrote it with Jeremy Harris, who wrote the play Slave Play. Well, it, it was supposed to be directed and written by James Franco, but then <laughs> that that kind of fell out. But Dave, Dave Franco is now a producer on it, and Zola also felt kind of creepy when she met with James Franco. Yeah, so like, she, like she was happy. <laughs> she was happy to have a woman do it. So she well, wants yeah, her story well, told. It's a very interesting film. I will give it that. It just, I don't think it, uh, it sustains what a narrative, traditional narrative of a film. But it's, it's not a traditional narrative. That's right. what makes it good. Let's talk about the optics of uh, what if this would have been a while back and James Franco was still involved in a film about strippers, strippers and everything too. Mm -hmm. So you know, his his bulb has dimmed quite a bit. Well, he just had that settlement last yep. week with the. And student. it cost him an Oscar. He I think he would have possibly won for Disaster August if everything would not have just come out that way. Yep. Well, if you've seen Hustlers, if you've seen the Florida Project, if you've seen Spring Breakers. Yes. Uh, it has little tinges of, of that. But I will say Taylor Page is a breakout star here. And what I liked best about her character is she held her own with right. these people. She did not give in to the sleaze. No, she didn't. Now, I believe the I do believe that the Rolling Stone article uh, disputes some of those things. Maybe that's why she wanted to tell her story rather than the Rolling Stone article. Well, see, that's another thing. They said the, the fiction is embellished here. So. But she also admitted that's what she was doing when she was telling the Twitter yeah. thread. She's like, I'm not going to tell you everything that happened. I'm telling a story. She admitted that. Well, and, and by definition, their chosen profession is the art of illusion. So right. everything's not as it seems. She talks anyway. about that. Yeah. She talks about that. She They have this wonderful house of mirrors thing when they're just 
they're describing how they're going to dress that night because who do you want me to be? How should I look for you? And that's the only time that they allude to Hooters because she's in a Hooters outfit because I'm guessing that they couldn't have her working at a Hooters on film because then they would have had to pay Hooters and, yeah. and Hooters wouldn't uh, Hooters didn't want them uh, associated with this sullying sullying their <laughs> sterling reputation so i'm looking at the list this is only available in theaters yes what the hell i want something beamed to, right to my living room like everything else is well you know what you could watch but i disregard even saying it to you but you could watch boss baby on peacock if you wanted to but i never saw the first one no 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 Lynn well, saw I it, did though. see the first one and it was unbelievably nominated for an Oscar. And this is a quick cash grab for fa families that are starved for entertainment, but they would be much better served by watching Luca or Mitchell's versus the machines, because this movie is garbage. <laughs> this movie is not necessary. It takes a thin idea and stretches it into incomprehensible storyline. They have too many people, too many story threads. It's too busy. It's a kid's movie. Well, isn't the kind of the fate of kid vid these days, you know, things like the emoji movie and things like that, there, there are no ideas and they're just kind of make something because they see lights and colors and in images that kids will recognize. This seems like more of the same. I have horrible. only talked. I've only talked to two so, people that uh, like it. Alec Baldwin is back as this brother Ted. When he was a baby, he was really a spy for Baby Corps. We have to get that straight. Okay. So now as an adult oh. CEO, <laughs> okay. he is he is not aware of his childhood because apparently the spies for Baby Corps don't remember their baby years. So he is brothers to Tim. Uh, which is played by James Marsden. In the original, it was Tobey Maguire. Now, James Marsden, to I me, love James is Marsden. as bland as you can get. And he and uh, he's grown he's, up now. He's known he for playing bland characters. He's uh, so he has two daughters. One is Tabitha Ariana Goldblatt. And she's a brain and they put her in a special preschool or well, no, she's eight, seven or eight. They put her in a special school that's run by Jeff Goldblum. Okay. <laughs> and so you have that whole head, that whole story thread. Amy Sedaris is the new baby sister. I love Amy Sedaris. Love I her. know it's great voices, but just because you have great voices doesn't mean you have a plot. And so Amy uh, is actually another spy for Baby Corps. Mm. And so we go back and forth. The, the men are grown up and have this family, but then uh, they go back to being babies and they're in this school. And then the school has got this nefarious plot going. They make jokes about the Shawshank Redemption and Norma Ray. Because, you know, every child loves a good union busting movie okay but now lynn hold on i have talked to two people of everyone that i know two people have said anything positive about this one was mark reardon who watched it with his daughter and his daughter didn't like it 
And then the other person said it was really good, but he was stoned at the time. So maybe well, that's a, the way to watch this movie. No, oh, I don't think there's enough dope in the world. <laughs> yeah. The original movie came out in 2017, was nominated for an Oscar. Didn't win, though. No. And then uh, it was a TV show on Netflix for four seasons. And now it's called Family Boss. And okay. it uh, is, uh, if you know, if you're Is that Alec Baldwin involved in that? Yeah. Oh, sorry. I know. Well, he's got like 50 kids. He's got to pay for their, you know, college yeah. and stuff. I know. In well, anger management classes are not cheap. <laughs> well, there That's are it. some things on, on uh, the streaming services that I enjoyed very much, and they're under the radar, so I'd like to talk about them. Carl, you wanted me to save good on paper. I saw it. I watched till, it last week, and I week. liked it. Chris, do you know who Eliza Schlesinger is? I do not. She is. She was the first woman to win Last Comic Standing on NBC, oh. and I voted for her. I liked her. I I've been a fan of her. She for a while she was just going by Eliza, but then she realized, eh, Eliza Schlesinger is better. So I I like her, and this is based on a true story that she had about a boyfriend who the name of the movie good on paper. Everything he says, and it's Ryan Hansen from Veronica Mars and. Okay. Two Broke Girls, who he's fantastic. I do like, they do do a visual joke on here that they're saying that she's not attracted to him. And so they have a body double make this dad bod get in a pool without showing his head. But, you know, Ryan Hansen's a good looking man. So he's, it's not really him. But she meets this guy in an airport, an airplane, actually meets in an airport. But then they sit each other, sit next to each other on an airplane and they become best friends, but he's trying to date, you know, that's just like the guy pining. He's pining for her. And then finally she succumbs and they start dating. And that's when things start to unravel. He says he is in head fudge man hedge fund management. And he went to Yale. He, he went to Yale and he just bought a house in Beverly Hills, but hasn't moved in yet. None he has of that a is sick true. mother who has cancer. And pretty much everything he says is a lie. But he becomes like this perfect boyfriend, like he's always there for her. She has what I like best about this film isn't the bad romance, because there's plenty of red flags about that. But it's the how women are treated in a male dominated field like comedy, because yeah. she has there's her stand up is cut in between. And then also she's trying to get movie and TV roles. And so it shows her auditions. It shows the part she's up it's really funny about that whole and the dynamics aspect. of different women in hollywood and how some of them see each other and then there are others that you know don't i never think of you at all which is also very funny because that that's rebecca rittenhouse and she's really good as the serena the rival even though she's not a rival and eliza's playing somebody named andrea so it's kind of based on her but not really well she has turned her personal pain into a really funny movie and margaret cho is her friend who runs a bar and she's great and basically she's playing margaret cho but it's funny it is so i enjoyed it it's on netflix i liked it very much radar, so you might not have it you know in that top 10 list or or whatever but it's worth it's worth it i think 
I, I liked it. And it's, it's short. It's only 92 minutes. It's funny. And then you know where it's going to go, but then you don't know where it's going to go because she has things start to go weirdly for her. And it's directed by Kimmy Gatewood, who is another uh, comedian. So it's, it's well done. I liked it. Well, another Netflix film that oh, hold Lynn Kimmy Gatewood was on glow with yeah. Rebecca Johnson. That was a fun show. Mm-hmm. They're trying to bring it back. Speak. This all went back to Betty Gilpin and things we were talking about before. That's right. Well, this zips along. I think it doesn't really waste time. So I liked it. Now, Tight. a movie that is high on the ridiculous meter is also on Netflix and it's called The Ice Road and it started last Friday. Is that Liam Neeson? Yes, and poor okay. Liam, 69, is still doing these action heroes. Only this time he is driving a big rig and listening to country music and taking care of his uh, P- PTSD brother who served in Afghanistan and now has asphasia. Okay. And we have corporate greed. We have nefarious shenanigans. We have a remote diamond mine in Canada, Manitoba to be exact, which collapses. And the truckers need to get this 26 ton piece of equipment to the mine to save the miners. So they hire Lisa Neeson and his brother and there's a really good performance by a woman named Amber Midthunder. And she is a First Nation person. And her uh, brother she was, she was actually, on Legion and on Roswell. Yeah. Oh, okay. She's very good. And she's this woman trucker. And she is treated horribly by this insurance adjuster played by Benjamin Walker, a.k.a. Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, he is probably best known as Meryl Streep's former son-in-law. <laughs> anyway, he uh, was in American Psycho on Broadway. Okay. And Hunting anyway, vampires. he plays this. That's a lot of information. <laughs> yes. He plays an insurance adjuster. Okay. On this trip. Lawrence and- Fishburne is the head of this trucking company. What? And the, the, the <laughs> what? Whole- so this is, this is a very interesting cast. Yeah. Well, it's it's yeah. written and well, direct, it's, it's um, written and directed by the guy who wrote Jumanji and Die Hard Three and Armageddon. Uh, yeah. Jonathan Hensley. He hasn't done a movie in ten years, and you can see what. Well, this is like an episode. I don't. And the last movie he saw Channel, was Taken. Ice Road Truckers. Yeah. Don't don't steal my cargo. I will find you. And so. <laughs> They uh, they have to traverse these ice roads, but it's April, so they're starting to thaw. Ah. So you got the big rigs sliding on the ice, breaking through the ice. They have to be rescued. Then they have also other things because it's very obvious that the big mean minor corporation doesn't really care that the guys are going to die. No. Well, you got Liam Neeson. I'll answer the Discovery Channel. It sounds like a Speed Racer episode. You've got it all in there. That's that's a lot of entertainment packed in that. Yeah, I thought Liam, <laughs> Liam wasn't was going to take it easy again on the 
action heroes. But you know, when he gets his dander up, he's dangerous. They yeah, do don't make him mad. Don't make him mad. They have some cool action shots in the snow. And also it's new, like they have so a release it in, in the July of the trucks. And yeah, they're going they, over. Why wouldn't they release bridges. this in January? So it'll melt away quickly. <laughs> so it's mindless. If you just want to give two hours to just not thinking very I don't. Much. I don't. There you I would go. rather think and do things that is it fun at least? Yeah, yeah. It's okay. It's just okay. pretty. You know what you're getting. Oh, Let's so the cinematography like is good. Yeah. Well, it's Canada. It's beautiful. Okay. And so beauty. So it's it's it the cinematographer is Tom Stern, who uh has worked with Clint Eastwood mostly. It's your typical mindless action picture with Liam Neeson saving the day. All right. You know, that's what you want. Now, a, a documentary that is on Disney Plus of all I places. keep seeing it. I keep seeing it and I keep going right by it because I'm not a foodie. So go okay. ahead. Well, I, I am Wolfgang Puck, one of my heroes, has a refreshing and delightful documentary that started on Disney Plus. And this is right before the Anthony Bourdain one coming out roadrunner so we have two of the giants in the food biz and it uh it's very illuminating about wolfgang it's just called wolfgang mm -hmm. and he really did change the way america eats he did and so it goes into that whole california cuisine it goes into his childhood in austria how driven he is he became the first celebrity chef and it talked about how Did he, he just committed. Wouldn't that be to, Julia Child? Yeah. Well, yeah, but I'm talking about in like opening a restaurant. Like Julia never opened a restaurant. Yeah. He op he opened Wolfgang Pucks. Right. Yeah, the whole there is a, a segment, the star chef um, mode. That it is a term that's used in the industry of people that are at that level where they're you know celebrities in their own right. Yeah. Right. He was before the Food Channel, the Food Network. Now. I do have a Wolfgang Puck story that I'll just briefly share. Back when I worked at the St. Louis Globe Democrat, they moved me from news to features. And so I was in the living department and the food editor job came open. So I did the food editor job and entertainment and features. So I was living the life till we sadly folded. Sad day. In 1986. Well, the summer... Of, of 1986, I got to go to LA to the National Food Writers Convention. And the opening night, we had these celebrity LA chefs feeding us hors d'oeuvres. And Wolfgang Puck was one of them. He was slicing some salmon for us. And I just wanted to say something clever, you know, to him. So I did. He was very pleasant. So this one day we were all over. We were up in Ojai, which is really gorgeous. This uh, organic farmer. We were on all these farms and wineries. And so um, I was with this group that was going to go to Spago that night for a 7.30 reservation. There were six of us. That means you needed to leave at four in L.A. And we got there a little late because of our bus ride. 
So the maitre d' was very snooty to us. Okay. So very snooty, like, oh, you have to wait over here, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, we were food writers. So we looked like a bunch of nerds, you know. And so there's all these industry people in there. And so nobody's looking at each other. So we discover that in the front, which was the A-list, which was the hot seats, Sylvester Stallone and his wife at the time, Brigitte Nelson, were sitting in the front and there were other people. So I saw Wolfgang and I don't know what possessed me, but I went over to him and I said, well, hello, Mr. Puck. I'm with the food editors group and we so enjoyed uh, your food on Monday night and today we were at this farm and he knew the guy and he was like oh he's so great and everything and then um, I said you know that's why something about like we were and he goes oh you're with the food editors group and he goes would you like some champagne yeah and I said so he went like this and waiters started running towards and everybody's looking at us like who are you people and so he gave us champagne and then we got our table so the waiter the whole night came over and says, this is from Wolfgang. Oh, here's a bottle of wine from Wolfgang. Here's this from Wolfgang. Here's a dessert tray by our pastry chef. So we had the absolute best time. The lead in airplane, Robert Hayes sat, yeah. sat at a table next to us. Uh, Wolfgang's wife who ran the restaurant at the time is she was the front of the house while he was in the open kitchen. Barbara Lazaroff, she came over and talked to us, took our picture. He was just in 1986. So that was a big deal. Yeah. He was so gracious and warm and just wonderful. And we had this great night. But the next day, we were supposed to get up at like 4 a.m. to go to the farmer's market. But you were all and drunk and hung over. This was like one o'clock. And I was like, I'm going with these other people back to the hotel. But I missed. When they were closing the restaurant, Wolfgang came out and gave everybody autographed copies of his of his cookbook. Oh. So you could have had that. I know. I know. So anyway, I'm a big fan of his. So uh, so and did, does the, did the movie tell you anything you didn't know? Yeah, it did. And I, I just it has really, really uh, wonderful uh, story. It does. He's, so if if you're on if you're on Disney Plus, it's between. Right this week, it's on between Loki and the Bad Batch and the John Stamos show and the Tony Hale show. It's there. It's there in the uh, main scrolling, but I always pass it because I'm either watching Loki or Bad Batch. Well, it's, Loki only, is awesome. hour in, yeah. it's only an hour and 19 minutes. Well, the, the Howard one they did about Howard Ashman, that was short, too. And that's that's. For Pride Month, they have there's a whole Disney section, Disney Plus section about Pride Month, and so that is that has popped up again, and that was really good too. So maybe I'll check that out, Lynn. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So that's good, Chris. Have you seen anything recently? I know we want to talk to you about St. Louis Filmmakers Showcase, which starts July 16th, so it's not that far off. Yes, and you can get all your tickets now. Uh, but have you seen anything that you that would you like would to recommend? recommend? Um, no, cause I'm, you know, watching, had been watching showcase films and I'm now also considering and looking at films for Sliff. So I don't really watch, I don't really go to the previews or see a lot of 
movies, but I do watch Loki. I mean, I do watch a, watch a lot of TV shows. Yes. So I do watch Loki. Um, I've been watching weirdly just, uh, you know, Netflix or uh, our fire stick insisted that I watch project blue book. And I watched two seasons of that recently. Um, well, just random I, stuff. I did catch the film noir by Steven Soderbergh on HBO Max that is not in theaters. It's oh, yeah, called- that's on my list. Is it good? It is good to a point where Soderbergh is in his wheelhouse at film noir. Mm-hmm. He really should do more film noir. You know, so that's, he's that's Don, John, Don Cheadle and Benicio del Toro, right? Don Cheadle's great. The cast is just aces. David Harbour. Uh, so John it's, Hamm's um, in it. It's got a great cast. John Hamm. Amy Siemens. She's Brendan Fraser. Karen fabulous Cole. in it. The cast Ray is Liotta. aces. And he has a really neat style. It's set in 1954 Detroit. Hmm. And yeah, it'll be exactly something I, w- I would want to see. I will. Yes, I will see and it's this about the sure. auto industry. And it has all sorts of twists. It's a very complex plot. And so you really Mary have to. Mary Soderbergh. Pay, yeah, you have to pay attention. But it's so stylish. It's so well directed. The production design every little detail is perfect it just has that great look you're really into it i don't think the ending is as it lets you down i think a tad like it's not the big payoff okay but it's worth the ride. It's almost two hours. It's worth it to see. It's not going to be in theaters. It's only HBO. Now, Max. hold on a second. What they've been doing on these first run movies on HBO Max, they're only there for a month. Like the Angelina Jolie movie that you liked is gone off of HBO Max for now. It'll come back in six months or three right. months or whatever but they decide. Is this is no sudden move going to be gone in a month and then resurface or is no it- because it's not one of those that's uh- it's not cross platform it's not also theatrical it's their okay. property so it's like an original HBO well, that stays on their platform endlessly well like that Denzel movie that we were eh, not with Remy Malek that movie is now actually on HBO too well not not HBO too HBO also. Mm-hmm. So they it started out on HBO Max and now it's on regular HBO, which is it, it's I'm so confused about what goes on HBO and what goes on HBO Max. John Oliver goes on both. He debuts on Sunday nights and then is on HBO Max the next day. Right. But it's definitely worth watching. I would be very interested to talk to people because it's uh, the acting is just off the charts. Wonderful. And the whole business. But you didn't like the story. Well, it just gets a little too complicated. Okay. It's just one of those where you're like, wait a minute. And then it comes back and, oh, Ray Liotta's a crime, uh, a kingpin. Okay. Yeah. So it involves, uh, of all things, catalytic converters. Well, it's in Detroit, right? So there you go. And it's 1954. David Harbor is an accountant. You mean he's not a Russian Captain America? Oh, that's no, next And Noah Jupe plays his son. So huh. it's got this wonderful cast. And I will say Soderbergh is so stylish. You know, the guys in the hats coming out of the cars, all Fedoras. descending on the yep. place. I mean, it's just 
he's the king of the background. He he's got <clears throat> he's got his fingers on, you know. It seems random, but there's always a flow. Um, he's, he's directing like the masses crossing the crossing the great oceans. Got a, cla- a cast of thousands. Yeah, that he yeah, has he, under his finger. Yeah. It's very Fincher-like in terms of. <laughs> that attention to detail yep. is is so strong and then the music and everything the whole period is just it's just a really nice it's a slow burn all right okay so chris tell us what is the most exciting thing about filmmakers showcase this year uh lots of things um 102 films uh, this year um <clears throat> 34 of the, the 102 films, but 95 unique directors. Uh, wow. 30, 34 of them are women. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. It's not 50% equity, but um, it's, <clears throat> you know, for this particular event, it's always been, you know, a boys club. But that I think that's one of the larger representations of women filmmakers we've had. 30% is pretty good, though. Yeah, but but in a pandemic year when people had all sorts of issues and restrictions, to have that many films is really remarkable. I think. Yeah, it was like no, and you know that's the ones we picked. There were others that weren't, so it was about 115 or so submissions. Um, when we didn't know what to think, was it going to be 50 or 60? But just it's a very typical average number of submissions for us. Um, some great feature documentaries, um, some great two historical docs. Um, <clears throat> Either of you history buffs? Yeah, I like history. Do you know? Tell me what you know about the Battle of St. Louis. Not a thing. No. There was a pivotal, pivotal Revolutionary War battle almost exactly where Bush Stadium was. Wow. Paul Shankman made a film about it called House of Thunder that is just, just so informative about the Spanish Spanish commander, this was still a Spanish territory at that time. It wasn't French yet. The Spanish commander helped lead the troops on this tower that no longer exists, but repelled the British and Indian forces who tried to take over St. Louis and would have controlled the waterway and the gateway to the West and you know, would have changed the course of history. Um, there's another historical documentary about um, Judge Isaac Parker, uh, who was the hanging judge um, throughout the whole Midwest Territory in the like the 1860s, you know, that that time period, but this in 1880s. Um, But the story is told, not a flashback, it's a recreation of, um, Lynn, do you know the name Ada Patterson? No. You, You should know this name because Ada Patterson was a female reporter for the St. Louis Republic in the late 1800s. And she went down to Fort Smith, Arkansas and did this deathbed interview with, with Parker. Well, this film talks about, you know, the history of, you know, the legal system at the time, Judge Parker, the history of the black marshals who worked all throughout this territory. Um, just really interesting, fascinating stuff. Uh, there's a narrative feature film, uh, Directed by a former St. Louisan who lives now in Huntsville, Alabama, but the writer-producer star of the film is a former Navy SEAL who famously wrote a book about coming out. 
Wow. So a gay Navy SEAL, ex-Navy SEAL, stars a film about a, a, a vet who has PTSD, comes homeless, drugs, a very tense drama. But, you know, he's in almost every scene. Uh, really a powerful bit. But this is the best story of all. I was saving this one. There's a short, it's not a feature exactly, but it's an anthology of six shorts that all have a similar theme and through line uh, and have the same title. So I had the director, woman director, um, group them together and we're going to show them as a set. It's called Interabang. <laughs> the the Interabang is, I learned yesterday or the other day when I talked to her, Interabang is a... Uh, when you have a question mark with a apostrophe or with an exclamation point through it, it's like, a I learned ball. that. I learned yeah. that the other day. It's, it's when you are questioning and amazed at the same time. On the nosy, but in particular, the, it's two people per set. Well, three in one of them. I take that back because there's, there's a reason. Um, it's conversations people have with each other immediately after they've had sex. And they're not just random hookups, they're people that are couples. So, you know, what do you do in that awkward moment when, you know, you're still sticky and wet and- Snuggling. Yeah, or, you know- Basking. That this intense experience and then, you know, what do you talk about in lunch or food or insecurities or somebody farts or, you know, just, <laughs> it was real natural and normal, but yeah. this is the best, this is the best. The director, Paige Feldman, who went to Ladue High School, has been in LA, for a number of years, went to Chicago, decided film, the film industry was not for her, being a woman, went to uh, Northwestern and almost got her law degree, but ultimately didn't pass the bar and didn't really care. She wanted to be a filmmaker. Paige Feldman was an intern, called the intern, yes. on the very first St. Louis Filmmaker Showcase, who was then produced by the St. Louis Film Office. Ah. For 20, 20 of the last 21 years, she's always wanted to film, make a film and come home. Well, she's not coming home. We're doing it virtually. But she's always wanted to have a film in the event. Full circle. Full circle. I went to the very first. I had just, it was in July of 2000. 2000. I had started my job in June of 2000. I went to the first showcase. And then the next year, the single film office closed and we inherited the event. So it was, really? yeah. So it's a fun film. I had a great time talking to her. Uh, it'd be a great addition to the festival. Um, well, I was going to tell you, there's an um, adorable eight-year-old director. What? Of, of a film, yes. I think, his dad, I think his dad helped him yeah. a little bit. But it was but his vision. His vision, he plays a, a clumsy superhero. And he doesn't play over... You know, his age, he doesn't pretend like it's, you know, they're in on the gag. It's stumbly funny. The kid's cute. Um, it, it really works. So did they shoot it with actual cameras or like an iPhone? His father has another film. His father is a filmmaker. There's another film in the event, actually. So there was some professional stuff being used gotcha. and a little bit of animation, uh, a little bit of green screen, um, you know. Good. Not gonna change the world, but it's 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 cute enough. Look, Timothy Reischauer is back, and I loved his uh, last movie. Tim Reischauer is the director. Oh, so you remember you remember Slice of Pie, and you know Tim. Yes. That's right, because uh, he's from Illinois. Yeah, he's the director of Once a Hero. I just talked to them yesterday. Oh. Uh, Tim and the director um, Brett Jones. Uh, Tim is living in Huntsville, Alabama. 
Um, he's selling cars, but he and his wife, all he and his wife run a film festival in Huntsville. Really? Yes. And he stayed in touch, you know, over the years and contacted me in the spring and said, Hey, you know, I, um, I don't know if this would be a good fit for the showcase or not, but you know, is it because I'm from there? Because nothing else is connected to here. But so I said, sure, you know, that counts. And so it's a, uh, you know, really strong um, effort. You know, he hasn't really made anything. He did a lot of commercial work and, you know, second shooting and, you know, a second AD and always sunny in Philadelphia. And, you know, he has a, a, a roster of things that he's done, but he's never, other than slice of pie, he was never really the behind the camera. And then came, you know, came out of the blue. They lost their original director at a scheduling conflict. Uh, so, you know, here it is. Yeah, I was happy to see his name because I know he was in L.A. He was an assistant director for uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yep, yep, yep. And a couple uh, of TV shows. So that's really great. How many? So you have uh, programs of shorts, which are like the comedies, the dramas, the docs, mm-hmm. the experimental films. There's two, two programs of experimental shorts this Ooh. year and only one program of comedy shorts. So I don't know what that says. That people are feeling a little more experimental, but there's some really terrific experimental shorts. Of course, Latko Chosic has a number of films in the event because he's, uh, you know, one of our veteran animated filmmakers, as is uh, Van McElwee, who has an international reputation for his experimental filmmaking. Uh, Jessica Hentop sent in a very nice documentary about uh, the Circus Kids and what they've been doing. Oh. I saw that. I saw the, the balancing documents. act. I mean, at first, at first description, I thought it was going to be just recordings that parents did on their phones of the kids, you know, doing this and that. But no, it's a really deep, heartwarming, hopeful, emotive dissertations from the kids who are just at home and they're, you know, miserable because they can't be, be performing with their friends. But they are doing performances, and there's some like Brady Bunch nine box performances where they're passing balls back and forth, and they worked Aww. with. They worked with circuits people from all over the world to do this message. And they let the kids just be and do whatever they wanted. Um, so they really, you know, talked about Black Lives Matter, talked about just wanting to perform, making do with what they could, you know, sharing the best they could, just, you know, really dying to get back to an audience. So it gave me hope. I thought it was really sweet. Well, that's, that's wonderful. Now, this year is going to be virtual again, and it starts July 16th. So how can people get uh sign up for tickets and and uh go through that whole thing uh go to our website cinemastlouis.org and go to the showcase page and it'll you know describe all the programs and films and descriptions of everything and you know where the films are uh and then there's a separate tab for ticket sales our online screening portal for the last year and a half has been a service called eventive so there's a few steps you have to take to sign in and create an account like everyone's used to now. To watch anything, you have to sign in to accounts and passwords. and Just one more of those. It's not so very hard. Um, but then you uh, can, many ways you can stream it to your television or through your Roku or through your Fire Stick or uh, Eventive as an app um, on their own. So many ways to, or, you know, the cable, or we get things, however you stream things to your TV, the there's many cable. ways to the cable uh get it there uh and then we are going to be then having uh closing out awards party uh at the end lynn and carl you've both been jury members for me uh in the past over time we're we're working on 
a surprise announcement next week that the virtual closing out awards partner may not be virtual after all. Oh, very cool. Breaking news. And you're we, also going to have some master classes too. Yes, master classes on on topics uh, related to filmmaking. Um, one is on cinematography. One is on how to make a historical documentary, since we have those two documentaries in there. And then Kathy Corley and Diane Carson, who also are local documentary filmmakers who do those sort of things, will discuss that. Um, did I mention that these films will be available worldwide? Oh, wow. Wow, no if restrictions. Got, if you've got really stout internet connection on the space station, I guess that works, but I don't know what an IP address and by the moon is. But yeah, uh, worldwide, um, we had great success with America's Last Little Italy. Uh, we sold 1,700 tickets to that film in eight countries. That's more, that's more tickets than we'd sold to any other single film in our history. Which ever. was wonderful. Yeah, so the ability, and people are excited about it. Um, not that there's going to be thousands of people banging down the doors and, and ordering these tickets, but people can. Uh, uh, their documentary by Tim uh, Breitbach called The Final 19, which is about his second cousin, who was one of the final 19 Vietnam War refugees who were returned. Uh, I saw that. Pr I pr that not refugee, prisoner of war. Right. I, war. I thought that looked so good. Yeah. Yeah. So there's lots of ways, and you can, um, once you buy a ticket, uh, you have 48 hours to watch it. And just like some of the streaming servers, you can watch it multiple times during that. You can stop, rewind. Uh, there's Q and A's with all the feature film directors tucked therein. Um, you can vote virtually. We want people to vote in ballots because we give ballots and awards now too for this event. So lots of great stuff. Yeah, it's a very smooth process. I will attest to doing it last year. It is smooth. It might seem daunting, but it's not. And people should be used to it. If they had to watch anything at home this past year or so, you have to go through these hoops to watch. And you right. poor people, you've got all sorts of rocky, shifty portals that you have to push your way through that aren't for the public, that are for industry that don't always work very well. So you know it as well or better than anybody. Um, the yes. hoops, the hoops must one must go through. Yeah, I, I, I people are used to it now. They weren't, but now in the last fifteen months, they're used to it now. Yes. Well, that's really fun, and so it's July sixteenth through the 29th? 25th. Twenty fifth. I thought it was just ten days. Yeah, yeah so. just ten days. Yeah, well, that's great. I'm excited because I think it has some really unique features that I haven't been seeing lately. So, yeah, if you want to see any of those things therein, you know, let me know. Especially with its focus on St. Louis, that Battle of St. Louis and then the Hanging Judge, those are all really intriguing. Yeah, they're interesting and informative and, you know, well put together. And, you know, that is the focus of this event is. St. Louis area filmmakers. So the, the, the film about the hanging judge, you know, isn't made here, but the composer is from St. Louis and the, you know, Ada Patterson, you know, who wrote this film for the, or wrote this article for the St. Louis Republic is kind of the star. So, you know, that made it a St. Louis story and affected our whole region, you know, the, the regional legal issues and hangings and the judge and who was fair and who was racist and all that. Too. But the, you know, learning about the black marshals was, I didn't know much about that. 
um, either. So. Yeah. No, well, it sounds like a really eclectic mix as always. Yeah, it's always fun and challenging to put together. Um, there's always feelings that are hurt. Um, you can't include everything. <laughs> but, but, you know, but it's always, there's a lot of the same people that are, you know, consistent submitters, but there's always brand new people I've never heard of before. And it, the discovery is exciting. And when it's local, there's local connections. It's just, you know, it's very satisfying. And I, I enjoy, I've enjoyed it for 20 years that I've done it. That's right. You had your anniversary. Mm-hmm. Congratulations yeah. on your longevity. Yep. Good I job. Just keep sit- I just keep sitting there. Thank you. <laughs> and if it wasn't for you, it wouldn't be happening because you, it's a passion. This is a passion. I can't claim it all there. It takes a village. It's a, it's a team. Yes. But I have a certain amount of energy that I've thrown into it. So. Um. <laughs> and you have such Thank a great you. team. Yeah. That whole mm-hmm. team, uh, you and Brian Spath and Bree Maniscalco and Cliff Freelick. It's Freelick. Yes. Screwed <laughs> up his name. It's Cliff, Cliff Freelick. And we have a dynamic board. Um, they used to be more dull and would sit there and not really engage and sort of, you know, mumble, mumble and stamp stuff and do whatever we wanted. But now um, there's a new, you know, a bit of a turnover and some really exciting stuff going on, future strategic planning. And you know, like we're all grown up. <laughs> well, I have signed up for the annual event. I never miss the I Love uh, Movies trivia night. For- and that is back live um, in the in the ballroom. So. Yeah, which I'm excited about. And Carl is on my team, Chris, FYI. Yep. I have a I have a team of ringers. We so. yeah, but there's there's always there are there's always what's up? What, what how can I say this? Stiff competition. Let's just say that. Yeah, let's put it like that because I, another talk, group of ringers talk to tra- trash talking me like a month before. As it should be. So I do want to ask you, Chris, in the last, let's say, so, oh, the year's half over. What has been your favorite film of 2021 so far? I know you've been, like the last month or so, you've not been able to see anything new, but what in the last six months has caught your attention that you would like to let people know? Oh, gosh, I really haven't watched much. <laughs> um, I, I will tell you my favorite film of the last six months has been The Mitchells versus The Machines on Netflix. I will check it out. Lynn, what is your favorite movie in the last six months? In the Heights. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. I yeah. had a weird dream about Stephen Colbert and Lynn manuel Miranda and Smash. All three of them were together in a dream I had last night that was very vivid. And then I woke up and I was upset that it was not real. So. But I think we have some strong contenders this year so far, and I'm very excited and i forgot about the dig i saw a list yesterday i forgot about the dig which was great wasn't that last year though wasn't that last year no it's considered this year okay and so we've had a a quiet place too and cruella and uh nobody bob odenkirk yeah so yeah but the animation has been fabulous the mitchells versus the machines is right up there, and so Rhea. is Luca. I loved Luca. I know you did. It's not better than Mitchell's, though. No. Well, uh, in St. Louis, we have um, 
we have the 4th of July festival. The fireworks are July 3rd. As we record this, the, the parade front. is going on right now. But we don't have entertainment, right? Is that no. correct? Well, <laughs> technically, at Ballpark Village, they're doing an eSport League of Legends championship. So if you are into eSports, and I know a lot of younger people are, my daughter is very excited. She's not a fan of League of Legends, but us having a championship here in St. Louis is a big deal. That's becoming a big business and big industry. A friend of mine said that in Arizona, they're building a multi-thousand seat stadium just for esports, which it's it's going to be a thing. We're giving huge college scholarships now. Yeah. You like can full, full, full rides. Mm-hmm. If you are good at playing video games. So I salute the new the new uh, computer overlords that will be taking us over. Yes. All right. Well, I need to uh, I need to mention the Alliance of Women Film Journalists. We are currently in partnership with Kino Lorber to present uh, six movies with women directors. And if you go to kinomarquee.com, you can sign up. And it's a wide variety of films, which I enjoyed. It's a Mustang and Between the Lines, which has a St. Louis connection. And uh, some of the other films, uh, the one, A Girl Walks, oh, it's that title, A Girl Walks Home at Night Alone. Home, Home Alone at Night, the Iranian vampire movie. Oh, that's marvelous. I love it. I know. And so we have a really nice selection of six films and you can support women, female, female uh, filmmakers. Love I, love, I love Kino Lorber too. Uh, they've sort of mutated over time, uh, but they've really... They're one of my favorite distributors to work with. Yes, and the, like the their taste. gentleman that I have been working with for months, David Nin. Did you ever work with him? Uh, peripherally on one particular project, but yeah, they're they're all great. Well, I just sent him my my links to Truman in Tennessee about Tennessee Williams and Truman Capote, and I got a message that he is now at Netflix. Huh. Well, that's is in the new multicultural department. Nice. Well, we know that we, Chris, we appreciate your time today. We know you have to get going as yep. we all do. Yep. But where can we find you besides, you know, everything else you're doing? Um, at Chris Clark STL on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I love your, I, I follow you on Instagram and it's, you surprise me weekly. Yeah, you good. The, you have the cutest dog. Penny. Penny got out of the yard for five terrifying minutes the other day. And it was my fault. I left the gate open. So she's back. Good. <clears throat> she's 65 pounds of thunder roaming through the house and so spoiled. But and, re- she's a, and <clears throat> rescued her. Yep, she's a quarantine dog. Uh, she got dumped out of a car on Father's Day last year. And friends of ours said, knew that we were, had put down a dog last year and were we ready for a pet? We were not, but we looked at the picture and it was so cute. God damn it. <laughs> you can <laughs> find all of the stuff that right Chris away. talked about at cinemastlouis.org. Lynn, where yes. can we find you, young lady? Um, I am in the Webster Kirkwood Times every Friday and online. We put them up on Thursday. Uh, Thursday nights, I am with Ray Hartman on KTRS. Miller Furniture presents Lynn Van House Goes to the Movies. It is right after the news at the 10 p.m. hour. Oh, yeah, you've moved slots. Yeah, uh, new slot. And then uh, 
I, uh, Carl and I have this podcast that we love so much. And then also I have my own website, poplifestl.com. And I will be doing some interviews with the filmmakers that are coming to the St. Louis Filmmakers Showcase. Oh, great. Fantastic. And my my name is Carl Middleman. You can find me on Twitter at underscore Carl the Intern and also on Instagram. And next, I was doing middays last week, but this week I'm going to be doing mornings on the Mark Shock Show on 97.1. Aha. Will everyone have a safe and healthy, happy 4th of July? Thank you. You too. Thank you. Enjoy, Lynn. We'll talk next week. Happy birthday, America. Bye, Chris. Thank you. All right. Take care.